0: All right, we are live on Comedy Schools, Radio Network.com. We're going to go live right now on uh, YouTube on Comedy Schools, see how that looks. And then we're going to go live on Facebook. Um, three, two, one, and uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. My name is Tony Visick. And you are watching Living on a Thin Line with uh, Tony Visick. Uh, I come to you today and uh, six days a week at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We are your daily distraction. Hold on. Hold on. Don't get distracted. I'm just straightening something out here. There we go. Now I'm all straight. We are your daily distraction for all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. Um, Show is on three platforms, Comedy Schools, Radio Network.com, YouTube Comedy Schools, and uh, right here on a Facebook Live. Uh, show is built around three things. Your questions and comments, as you chime in, as the entire uh, Living on a Thin-Line family begins to join in. Your questions and comments, we attempt to comment back, or uh, answer your questions. And then also, uh, uh, it's built around some knick-knack or a piece of weirdness or oddity or autograph or memorabilia or klotchke or something we have sitting around here in the home office that we then attempt to weave a story around. Um, and also we recommend uh, a maximum of two, a minimum of one artist or pieces of music that uh, we um, highly recommend. Uh, and we're doing something cool now. We're going back. Uh, through the archives, we've been doing this show since mid-March now, uh, six, seven days a week, almost without interruption, almost without interruption. Uh, and um, we've been recommending music for a while, but what we're doing new, and by the way, I just got to talk to my uh, producer for a moment. Cheryl, can you check out the YouTube of just spin spinning, saying going live? I don't know if that's an um, internet issue uh, for you Facebook people, that's just for the, face, for the YouTube people, and I know you don't give a damn about them uh what we're doing now is going back and we're actually copying links to the music that we recommend so that you can immediately uh, click them if you so desire and either reacquaint yourself with someone that you loved at one time or if it's brand new to you to check out something and uh, maybe add a little uh, a little fun frivolity soul mirth and merriment heart into your life uh what else is going on here um I eat in a restaurant today, and I don't know, you know, I don't know that I ever thought there would come a time in my life when going to a restaurant, I would go, am I taking my life in my hand? Sure. thought I was taking my life in my hand because I'm eating three pieces of bacon and two eggs with cheese on them and hash browns. (laughs) So I guess I've been taking... I guess I've been taking my life into my hands ever since I started going to restaurants, but I never thought maybe, am I gonna breathe and die? And I think since the pandemic started, I've been inside maybe four or five restaurants. There was a piece of news where um, our um, esteemable president, Donald J. Trump, said that uh, there was a study that said 85% of people who wore masks still got COVID, which was not true. But it was said that a large quantity of people, even when they wear masks, who did get COVID were people who regularly uh, ate in restaurants. But uh, we took the chance today. And I got to be honest with you. Um, I've always liked restaurants. I'm a restaurant guy. I've spent a good chunk of my life. My young life, I don't know, my young life, I spent a lot of time in bars, taverns, saloons, corner bars, neighborhood bars, nightclubs, discos. But I spent a good deal of my life in restaurants, too, all types of restaurants, from little greasy spoons that were out of the, in some place you know, way out of the way, all the way up to some of the finest restaurants in Los Angeles. I've always loved restaurants. But I am not eating anything in a restaurant that tastes any better than anything my wife and I cook at home. Now, I don't know what your experience is. I don't know if you're going to restaurants. I know there's a guy on here right now, and I'm just gonna call his name Lauren. He's a buddy of mine. And I know he regularly posts pictures of the dinners that he and his wife have. And I'm gonna bet, without being some sort of making some silly late nineteen eighties joke about wives and stuff, that he will tell you that his wife that when she just throws something together on the fly, ten times better than a restaurant. I would tell you, it's the same way for my wife as well. And damn near the same way for me. So I went to the restaurant today almost out of, you know, let's go do something. Okay? And we wore masks inside. And, and before I ate and after I ate, I had my mask on. Stayed distant from people. Lauren says he lives with a magician. I've seen some of the pictures of some of the meals. Lauren. And I, I look at him and go, man, that looks good. But when I ate the meal, when I ate the breakfast, I go, this is not, this doesn't touch what my wife does. Now, the difference between my wife's breakfast and mine, can I explain to you what uh, the big difference is? And any of you can chime in here about cooking and food. And we won't stand there for long. It's not a cooking show. God knows you can get plenty of those. Here's the big difference between my wife making breakfast and me making breakfast. My breakfast is usually about four or 500 calories more. And I don't know how to cook any other way. I just make fattening meals. My wife can make a delicious meal that tastes fattening but isn't nearly doesn't have nearly the amount of calories that uh that uh, mine would. And uh, hey there. Hey there uh hold on I got I've got to get the YouTube people in here. So I put on 10 pounds recently, and here's exactly what I attribute it to. Uh, When we, um, hey, you two people, we're talking about how my wife makes better tasting breakfasts. I make good tasting breakfast. Lauren likes butter to butter. Tina, uh, Tina Mike says hers probably tastes better. It does. And here's what we're talking about, is the breakfast as opposed to restaurants or at home, and I have not been to a restaurant lately where the food tasted any better than what we have at home. As a matter of fact, has always been a little more disappointing. Great new restaurant here in town called Roots that has a killer, uh, a killer limited menu that we had last night. We had takeout for that one. Um, but I'm, you know, I like the restaurant experience, but more and more and more, I am not dissatisfied with the food, but I go, we have better tasting stuff at home when we cook it. And what we're talking about is how my wife's breakfast is more delicious and tastes more fattening, but is not more fattening. And I put on about 10 pounds recently, and here's directly what I attribute it to. So when we, uh, when we were blessed with uh, Ray the Wonder Cat, for those of you following Uh, About six, seven weeks ago, uh, Shirley came home and I was upstairs. She goes, you're going to want to come downstairs. And she was leaving someone's home and there was construction next door. There was a dumpster and she heard this wail and this cry. And I've even gotten more on the story of Ray and how Ray uh, came to survive and why he's such a fighter. Ray, the wonder cat. Um, She said she heard this noise. She looked and there was a little teeny tiny kitten crawling out of this dumpster, almost ready to fall over onto the ground. Now, I initially thought she'd fished him out amongst the pizza boxes and, and uh, uh, cantaloupe rinds and uh, 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 asbestos and stuff that'd be thrown into a dumpster. Ray was climbing out, and that's how Shirley discovered him. Brian found him still umbilical cord attached, probably less than a day old. Anyway, Shirley brought Ray home. And I don't know if you know anything about uh, prenatal neonatal, not prenatal, neonatal cats. But little kittens have to eat every two hours, which means that my wife, Shirley, got up. She never, for about two weeks, never got more than two hours of sleep straight. Fall asleep at midnight, up a little before two. Fall asleep a little after two, up a little before four. Fall asleep a little after four, you get the drill. For about two weeks, that's how it went for her. and. Even though I was able to sleep through some of it, I got woke up for a lot of it. I got to tell you at a certain point, we were both damn near hallucinating. Now, because she was feeding the cat every two hours, was exhausted and she was doing a good thing. I said, you know what? I'll start making breakfast. I'll start making breakfast. I'll take that because she I never told her, hey, when we get married, you make breakfast. She just one day just took over and started doing it. And it was cool. So for about two or three weeks I made breakfast and I put on 10 pounds. Didn't taste as good as her breakfast. Wasn't as filling as her breakfast. More fattening than her breakfast. And I can't, I can't explain to you why. It's like if I make spaghetti right now and I'm just making it for Shirley and I and everyone's like, I'll make dinner. And then I make spaghetti. Uh, I make it like I'm feeding a damn army. I haven't figured out portion. I do not do well with portion control. So two questions for you guys that are watching and might want to chime in. Although uh, this doesn't seem to be the topic uh, of all the topics I covered. It doesn't seem to be the one that's really grabbing people's attention. But um, do you find that the food at home is more delicious than the food in restaurants? Who is the better cook in your house? And who is actually the healthier cook of the two? Those are the questions. So um, I just thought I'd bring that up today. See, you can't really tell when I'm sitting down. I know. I know. I look as pretty in March as I did in May. I look in June. But I put on 10 pounds. I lost all the positive. There was no positive in the pandemic. But the little ray of sunshine during this very cloudy time was I lost a whole bunch of weight at first because of stress. Stress. I'm going to put out a book. The Stress Diet. How to Lose 20 Pounds in 20 Days. Give me all your money. (laughs) Have no money get sick to your stomach for having no money, and lose weight. I'm thinking that might be that might be my, uh, my diet book. Stress your way to thinness. Hey, do you want to lose an extra 10 pounds? Go on Facebook and have a strong opinion. Hey, you want to lose an extra 20 pounds? Try to do something nice for your community and have people in your community that hate you call you a cockroach. I've got people in my neighborhood who have said I'm a human cockroach. Cockroach. I have people in my neighborhood that have said other people that I serve on a board with in my community are cockroaches. Members of law enforcement, women were cockroaches. Of course, when I see these people in the community, like hey, you know, I just, I know, I got carried away, you know, I've been sick. Man. But that's a great way to lose weight. Try to do something good for people. Try to volunteer, go, you know what? I've done a lot of jerk things in my life. I need to try to make up for some of them. I'm gonna volunteer for some stuff. Hey, you know what I'll do is I'll make it so that the whole park is lit up not real nice so people can enjoy a day or night and watch people lose their fucking minds. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God so lose weight now ask me how become the member of a board of directors of a homeowners association why are the christmas lights going up on october 30th instead of october 29th i don't blame people though everybody's a little angry everybody's a little scared everybody's a little depressed everybody has a little anxiety no one knows what the next day holds uh, Tina Mike Lawson says, and normally we don't talk this way on this show, not that I don't talk this way, it's better than cocksucker. I don't know. Would you be called a human cockroach or a cocksucker? There are certain people who engage in the uh, activity that you're describing, Tina and Mike, who should be held in high esteem. Uh, uh, Tina says, of Tina Mike Lawson, uh, by far I am, I'm lucky to boil water. So Tina, are you saying, I don't know if I'm talking to Tina or Mike. Tina, are you saying that Mike can only, can't boil water? Are you saying that you can't boil water? And Mike is going to, I'm confused. Please uh, clarify. Anyway, I've now put on 10 pounds. So I guess, uh, I guess I'm pretty relaxed. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's get to the, oh, a couple things to tell you guys about real quick. Uh, great shows at JP's Comedy Club. My good friend, Jim Perry, is going to be at a different comedy club tonight. Jim is going to be at Stir Crazy Comedy Club. We got got a really great comedy community. You know, it's a sad day when comics, who all have strong opinions, and and let's be honest, we can't keep our mouths shut. Look what I'm doing right now in the middle of a Sunday afternoon, for goodness sakes. Comics and a comic community made up of everything from open micers to national headliners to comedy clubs owned by former comics, current comics, business owners, uh, people who just like comedy, all get along better than a few people who live down the street from one another. That is something. And my friend, Jim Perry, uh, who is the owner-proprietor, I'm his partner, but he's he's the dude, he's the man of JP's Comedy Club, is perform- and he's a comic, is performing tonight, tonight at Stir Crazy Comedy Club in Glendale, Arizona, that is owned by another uh, local comic, okay, Tom Sims. So one local comic who opened up a comedy club is going to another comedy club owned by a local comic and doing a show, and I think that is fantastic. Uh, and it's a great show. It's being uh, put on by a guy named Kirk Numi. Kirk, if I mispronounce your name, I truly apologize. And it's called Surviving Jody Arias, and Kirk is a comic and an attorney. And it, it'll be a pretty fun show. So if you're looking for something to do tonight in the greater Phoenix area, go to stircrazycomedyclub.com. And you'll find out all about it. If you've ever thought about doing st- – who could tell I was, like, scratching my thigh right there? Could you tell? Did you see my shoulder moving? Go, what's that dude doing? But well, I hope he's just scratching his thigh. Um, if you uh, – scratch my thigh again. I don't know when I scratch my thigh why my head would go like this. <laughs> If you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, go to comedyschools.com. There you'll see an entire menu, a grab bag, a grab bag of uh, comedy workshops that we have just for you. Even if you never planned on being a stand-up comic, you want to know a little bit more about stand-up comedy, it's a real fun thing to do. Um, please check it out. Then write me, uh, Tony Visick directly at comedyschools and hotmail.com And uh, I'll have a conversation with you. And we'll figure out how to... Uh, get her done and we won't be doing unless you like get her done jokes we won't be doing get her done jokes if you like get her done jo- jokes then we'll be doing them you know that's what's weird about me you know what's weird about me people go oh, that's a long list uh my my wife just looked at me like oh, what's weird about me is i like all kinds of things like i know people who cannot stand cannot stand those 90s Southern comics, Larry the Cable Guy and Jeff Foxworthy and Bill Engvall. I know people who go, the Bill Hicks is filthy. I know people who go, I like Stephen Wright. People go, I don't get him. I like it all. I like the attempt. I like the striving. You know, and I have laughed at Larry the Cable Guy, and I have laughed at Sam Kinison. God, people hated Sam. God, there were as much as people loved him, there were people hated him. But damn, he was funny on stage. Antagonistic, impish, troublemaker. You could see he was a troublemaker. He had it in his eyes. His comedy was based on being a troublemaker, on being antagonistic, and being an imp. But damn, 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 was it funny. Do I agree with all the points of view of all the comics that I like? No. By the way, I can separate out the art Look, I don't know if the people who designed the Roman Colosseum were, uh, they didn't love Jesus because that was before Jesus. So they weren't Christian. And I don't know if they were uh, wonderful people or sons of bitches, but I can look at the Roman Colosseum and go, that is marvelous. I don't ever you know, I don't even want to read that the guy who designed the Roman Colosseum uh, grabbed a girl's ass someplace in a, uh, in a, uh, uh, a public urinal someplace in southern, uh, southern uh, Rome I go, oh, no, I can't enjoy the him. He's a bad man. I don't want to read that, you know, some woman who was the queen of some empire at one time. I don't read that Catherine the Great you know, abandoned her children. I don't know if she did or not. You know, I just want to appreciate the work they did or at least read their history. I feel that same way about comedy. That's why I can love Louis C.K. so darn much. Um, despite many people going, you should hate him. You should never listen to him. Man, if you examine anybody's life closely enough that's ever decided to color outside the lines a little bit, you will find, I guarantee you, if you follow anybody who colors outside the lines in life, if you really follow some of the designs they make when they're coloring outside the box, you're gonna find a couple pornographic pictures. All right, let's talk about the music and what have I got for you today? Here's something fun. Uh, I've been doing some really esoteric stuff. Uh, by the way, if you're not my age, then this is esoteric. But if you are, it's not. Check it out. This is Grand Funk Railroad. This is their first album. And it's called On Time. Grand Funk On Time. Grand Funk Railroad. This was their very first album. Look at those young guys there. Some sort of look. One's a Native American. One's a Cal- One looks like a... Uh, a gambler, one looks like a, a railroad man. Uh, their name was a takeoff on the Grand great Grand Funk re- Western Railroad. Uh, it was made up of three people, Don Brewer on drums, Mark Farner on guitar, piano, harmonica, and vocals, and Mel uh, Shacker on bass. It originally had a uh, fourth member. A lot of people don't know that about Grand Funk. Terry Knight, who was their producer and manager, or at least was their manager for a while, I don't know if he stayed with him a long time, was um, a fourth member who left uh, the group as a musician and became um, became their producer manager. On this album was uh, these songs, Are You Ready, Anybody's Answer, Time Machine, High on a Horse, TNUC, Into the Sun, Heartbreaker, Call Yourself a Man, Can't Be Too Long in Ups and Downs. This album was not the one that really propelled them. It was Grand Funk Live. And here's the weird thing. They were a trio. They came along in 1969. There was another trio that had broken up right around 68 or 69 that at one time they were considered comparable to. And that trio was cream. Cream out of England led by Eric Clapton, Jack Bruce, and Ginger Baker. Grand Funk Railroad was considered on par with them. And they were like so many bands in the 60s, they were adventuresome, they were different, they, uh, uh, they uh, infused all different kinds of elements into their music, jazz, what, what later on was called funk, uh, rhythm and blues, blues, straight out rock and roll, a little bit of a operatic stuff, all in these really cool short pop melodies. You know, one of the biggest contributions Bob Dylan made to uh, pop music along with thousands of others, one that's ever thought about, is that with the song Like a Rolling Stone clocking in almost five minutes, he broke the radio rule. The radio rule is the song shouldn't be three minutes long because they only want the songs to be three minutes long so they could sell more commercial time on radio. That's why most songs were short. There's other reasons too, but that's the reason we're talking about today. Bob Dylan with Like a Rolling Stone with new. no five-minute song, goes out like it is, and it was such a huge hit and such a game-changer that radio stations played it anyway. And what it did was it let all these other musicians then record longer songs and be a little more adventuresome and take a few more chances. Um, for instance, TNUC on this, uh, on this album is 8 minutes and 40 seconds long. Now, the song that we're going to recommend from their first album Okay, it's probably the, not the most adventuresome of uh, the songs on this album, but one that I really loved, and i got a, um, a special feeling in my heart for it, because it's a song that my, uh, little, my younger brother Jerry and I learned how to play on our little uh, three-quarter size guitars and drums in our parents' basement. We were able to kick it out. But it's a great little blues tune. It's called Heartbreaker, and it's off Grand Funk Railroad's first album. Now, like I said, it was Grand Funk Live that really put them on the map. Grand Funk later on, after like like the Steve Miller band, like other bands, like other bands that were adventuresome and bold and daring and taking chances, settled into a uh, sort of big pop stardom hits. You know, uh, uh, Steve Miller went from uh, 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 making uh, songs like uh, late 60s Space Cowboy and later on doing The Joker. And believe me, even though The Joker was a bigger hit, it was a big step down musically. Grand Funk went from this adventuresome, dangerous, different, bold, rock, to like big pop hits like uh, uh, a terrible, weirdly weirdly made, uh, but very popular version of Locomotion and American Band. We're an American band. You know, my friend Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols and I can still call him my friend even though we haven't talked in years told me something about why the Sex Pistols became so popular he said well you gotta remember what was going on in music at the time it was Moody Blues and Emerson Lake and Palmer and King Crimson." he goes how do a bunch of he goes we were poor we were broke how do a bunch of broke shit kids make that in a garage with a broken down drum set and a guitar missing a string he goes it all goes back to Chuck Berry it all goes back to rock and roll So in one sense, yes, these adventuresome bands that were trying something so different, later on went, all right, we just gotta get back to basics. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe when Steve Miller made songs like The Joker and maybe when uh, um, Grand Funk Railroad went from the heights, they tried to reach their first album in their album Grand Funk Live, they were doing something not that much different than The Grateful Dead when they went from Live Dead to Working Man's Dead, as they went from the psychedelic jazz infused, uh, uh, mostly instrumental heights of so many of the songs on Live Dead to the simple, uh, almost folk Americana. Anyway, I hope that you'll listen to um, Heartbreaker today off Grand Funk Railroad and remember that at one time this band and, and Mark Farner was considered a- as an important uh, uh, character in uh, rock music as Eric Clapton for Sharp Beard time by many. And Eric Clapton is, of course, going on to legendary status. Mark Farner later on in life, um, after bouts with drugs and alcoholism and other issues, uh, and probably fighting with record companies, as he went, I've sold 40 million records, I don't have any money, um, uh, found uh, God, found Jesus, and uh, uh, became a, uh, an advocate for Christianity. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Okay, all right, we're going to wrap it up today. Thanks for listening, thanks for watching, thanks for coming in. Okay, remember, eat at home. And let your wife cook. It'll taste better and you won't get as fat. (laughs) You've been watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Vizic. I'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. Bye-bye.